Hello, dear friends, Jai Guru, and welcome to another episode of the Chela to Chela podcast, featuring interviews and conversations with disciples of our sweet Gurudev, Paramahansa Yoganandaji. The Chela to Chela podcast is brought to you by Soul Calls Infinity, a nonprofit, devotee run organization dedicated to inspiring an ever deeper, sweeter, devotional communion with the divine and to that end each podcast also features one of the soul calls music meditations i'm your host brenda roberts and in season two along with uniquely inspiring stories of how i found master we will be hearing a number of different approaches to applying the teachings in daily life and we'll see how Guruji guides each according to their temperament, lessons to be learned, and services to be shared. And speaking of services to be shared, devotees in all walks of life are doing a lot of good in the world. And as we get to know a little bit more about some of them through the Chela to Chela podcast, it gives us an opportunity to support them with our prayers, our goodwill, and perhaps even with our resources and business connections. Joining together to help make the world a better place by our prayers for all of creation, by support for our fellow disciples, and through our individual Kriya Yoga practice. At the end of the podcast, I'll tell you how you can get to the free private access pages to connect further with our guests. Before we enter this next episode, let us listen to this quote of Guruji. Master said in the autobiography, Hundreds of thousands, not dozens merely, of Kriya Yogis are needed to bring into manifestation the world of peace and plenty that awaits men when they have made the proper effort to reestablish their status as sons of the Divine Father. So, dear ones, let us walk a little closer together now, ever affirming it's a wonderful life with Guruji in it. You are my life And I just want to be
And today we have with us Bella Dilworth. Bella, hello. So nice Good. to see you again. Good morning and Jai Guru, Brenda. Oh, Jai Guru, dear heart. And um, Bella, tell us where you're from. Well, I was born and raised and still residing in Los Angeles. And I work for Los Angeles County Public Defender's Office. So you're an attorney for that? Yes, I'm an attorney, are, are criminal you defense attorney. You, what, darling? What? A public defender or criminal defense attorney. Oh, this sounds tough. Well, I want to hear more about that. But first tell me, um, you go to Hollywood Temple, is it? Yes, I do. And, and how long have you been going to the temple? I first went when I graduated from law school, and that was back in 1979. And then I had kind of a hiatus for 15 years where the veil of delusion was over me. And I went back after I had my child in 1995, I believe. But uh, master never leaves you. So Mother Center had all of my information still as I had given it. And I was able to get Korea really quick when I came back. <laughs> wow. Okay. So then when you came back, he just grabbed you and said, okay, let's get to work here. Yes. To show you how old I am, I had a Rolodex in those days. <laughs> and I thumbed through the Rolodex and Brother Bhaktananda's name was in the Rolodex. I said, what? <laughs> wow. Okay. So let's talk about that job. So this, this sounds like a toughie. Can you um, tell us uh, about it in terms of being a disciple and working in that environment? Well, you know, speaking of Brother Bhaktananda, as we all at Hollywood Temple still do, um, uh, he used to have a habit of you checking in with the devotees once or twice a year. You'd make an appointment and sit at the little table in Hollywood Temple. And I was maybe just starting out as a public defender. And it just really used to pain me because I, I did not have an understanding and probably still don't of karma. And I would worry <clears throat> and brother would just tell me that you do the best job you can in defending them. You know, it's not your job per se to get people off and that it was their karma, karma that they were experiencing but you know as a devotee uh it was my job to do the best job i could and to always you know treat um, my clients with respect and and dignity and 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 recognize them as the souls that they are awesome. and so i've still <clears throat> been trying that <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing the job for about 31 years and uh, every now and then you you get a toughie. Well, a lot of times you get toughies. <laughs> I would imagine. And, and these toughies are really your muscle building, I would suppose. Yes. And over the years... Um, Spiritual I, muscle building, of course. Uh, well, I, I sure hope so, because you, you still get the opportunity if you don't, it's training, and if you don't do it right, uh, 
the first time you get many more opportunities. <laughs> but um, I remember at one point I was at a retreat and uh, a brahmachari uh, found out what I did and gave me a picture of master meeting with judges, an old picture, uh, and lawyers. And he seemed to have like, uh, he just seemed so playful with it. Like, you guys think you are in control and know the real laws. And so uh, this brahmachari gave me that and I used to keep it uh, taped um, inside my date book. So whenever I would take things too seriously or, or get too upset, I would just look at that and it would seem as master was winking uh, at me. <laughs> and, you know, I had all kind of devices uh, with master in the courthouse when I would be standing at the elevator with all my files and I would imagine him standing there in this uh, this coat that he is pictured in, this overcoat, yeah. uh, getting ready to to go to court with me. And uh -huh. I keep them uh, still to this day, uh, a, a great big picture taped inside my day book so all of my clients can get, you know, to get his blessings. Wow. So. Wow. Do you got some lucky criminals there. <laughs> Good well, as lucky as they as they can be <laughs> oh my gosh okay well that's inspiring sweetie and god bless you for for keeping on keeping on as atulanandaji often says and is known for um so uh, um, i want to talk just a little bit about you're going to india because uh very few devotees actually get to go and we have listeners from all around the world and I thought it would be nice for the Indian devotee listeners to hear about your experience of being in their country, just briefly. Well, I, I want to tell you, I know that you have a lot of devotees that get to go with you more than once, but so far I've only been one time and it absolutely changed of my life and since i've been back and it's been a couple of years I, I believe i went in 2015 um it's just a high point of my life like you know i'm also a mother and when you are a mother you kind of divide your life well i had my child and you know whenever and it's before you had your child and after you had your child and it's the same experience with India. It's before I went to India and after I went to India. Wow. And when I came back and when I came home, you're right. Uh, there are many uh, devotees, especially at, at um, Hollywood Temple. There are a lot of old timers that just never considered going. And I said to myself, why? I said, I went with a group of mature women. I don't know what she meant by that mature, but at least I had the age and I, I, it's just nothing like it because you can hear the stories of what other people said. You can read their, uh, about um, Master coming here and the difficulties he faced. And once um, 
the, the Awake movie had just come out and I think I had seen it at Convocation the first time and then some other screenings, but it's like I had was in the movie and had been to every space and I would listen to the movie and my heart would cry because I had seen, you know, even decades later, uh, going to the places uh, that that master came from and that nurtured him and and seeing what he left uh, to come here and bring this to us. Yes, I'm sorry, Brenda. Well, it's it's we went to all it's kinds of little places. <laughs> the gratitude uh, sometimes is just overwhelming, isn't it? Yes, because you know there he um, was at a place and with a system of thought that understood him and 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 you know from time to time in the readings and in his talks uh, you hear how he refers uh, to the differences uh, between India and here and you think how uh you know when he got his marching orders to come how he must have loved god so much to to come here to such a different place with different people and 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 um you know at you know being such ahead of his time like i say now um Eastern thought and meditation and, and mindfulness, all of that, that's uh, pretty commonplace now. But, you know, when he came, it, it wasn't. And when, and, and now when you read his things and you measure them against what people are saying and doing, it's, it's never false. <laughs> You know, his, yeah. his, what he brought to us at that time took such courage. And when you went, when you, when I went to India anyway, and I saw uh, from whence he had come, because uh, he talks about the place where men dream God. Yeah. And, and that's just really uh, the experience I had there. And it wasn't easy. Um, it, it, it wasn't easy, but that was also the, the, uh, the uh, pleasure of it because you knew that this was something extraordinary uh, that uh, you went out of your way to experience. And we went, you know, from temple, excuse me, from ashram to ashram and living in <clears throat> ashram life. <laughs> Uh, you know, waking up uh, on that schedule uh, to do the energizations at six o'clock, or was it 6.30, and then to meditate, then to breakfast, and, you know, we weren't monks, so we didn't have to work, but then, you know, basically uh, that kind of rhythm, and it's, uh, it, it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, and also from traveling from place to place. And oh, what I, I meant to tell you was maybe a, maybe about two or three months ago, I was at Hollywood Temple for Saturday and I had um, 
it was some service I was supposed to do and I couldn't do it. So I had on Sunday, so I had to go there on Saturday, but I was pretty annoyed, <laughs> you know, to, to have to drive through the middle of Hollywood on a Saturday afternoon. And I, I was almost thinking, no, I'm not gonna go. I'm just gonna get on the freeway and go home. I'll just get up early Sunday and do it. But something told me, or for some reason, I just went to the temple. So I, if the service was to do with um, Sunday school and we have like a little Sunday school garden in the Sunday school building. And so I pulled into the parking lot real quick. I jumped out of the car. I ran over to the Sunday school grounds and I was running up through a Sunday school building and I turned the corner and I come face to face with a group of swamis visiting from India that I had met at Ranchi. Wow. <laughs> and I said, see, Master, I was being mean and honoring. <laughs> you gave me this uh, thing. But I, I was running so fast, I almost ran into them. <laughs> and so, and so um, Brother Pranabhananda and uh, the Indian Brahmacharya that we have there, and the monks came around, and then I said, they looked at me and they started laughing. And then they said, and then I said, well, I know you. I said, I, I met you at Ranchi and you told me a story. <laughs> and so I said now that, you know, um, Indians like telling stories and I guess especially Indian swamis. He said, so what did I tell you? And so, and I told him, he told me about um, a, a story about uh, three months in Calcutta without a cell phone, which was a rift on, you know, Master and his friend going away and not having any money because he thought, how could he ever get to his doctor's appointment <laughs> with no cell phone and who would know to come pick him up? And the whole point of that, but, you know, just, and he, he laughed so because I remembered it, but it was just, such the tradition of storytelling and the way it worked when you go with Brenda, you visit the ashrams in each of the, the places, the swamis have a visit with you and they, they talk to you and <laughs> they tell you these stories. And so it, it makes you appreciate like when you hear master talk or when you read his writings, the tradition of teaching through stories. Uh, and I mean, because they just tell you stories, of course, all with a, um, a point. <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, I, and this just happened um, a couple of months to me. So this, uh, I gave myself uh, the trip to India as my 60th birthday present. Okay, let me let 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 me unless you've got a um, something that you really want to share on that. I don't want this to be a, a an advertisement for my pilgrimages, but I did wanted to to share with the devotees what your experience of of being a pilgrim uh, was, and and thank you so much for sharing all of that because it's it was lovely and it's good for me to hear it too. Um, what about your service at the temple? You were, we were talking a little earlier about 
um, how it is to be at temple and, and to serve because many devotees around the world don't have that opportunity. So I know it's not all, um, as they say, wine and roses. So tell, tell us a little bit about that part of your life. Well, when I, I, when I first went to the temple and I, I will share a little bit more about who I am and my religious background. I'm African-American. I was raised Catholic, but at some point I started going uh, to Protestant, traditionally African-American churches uh, where there was, uh, what can I say, a lot of meeting and greeting and um, activity and participation in the congregation. So when I went to Hollywood Temple, I said, you know, I'm tired of all of that. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go there and worship anonymously, which did not happen. <laughs> Before I knew it, and, I, and, and this is not everybody's experience because of course you can go there anonymously. But before I knew it, I was in lay disciple. I was on the flower committee. And then over the years, I got to be in Sunday school. And now I am the chair of our outreach committees, excuse me, of our uh, outreach committees, community outreach, which means that I run all of the charitable giving. Like at Christmas time, we since we're, as Brother Bacchanada used to say, in, like, in a place where there are five hospitals. And when Master built that temple, there was nothing there but olive groves. But now there's a children's hospital and two or three other hospitals. So uh, at, sometimes we collect and give to the children and their families who are in the hospital and like that. And then we have a food drive. So I do all of that and none of which I ever expected to do. <laughs> the children are <laughs> like master, isn't it? He gives us all things that we never expected. That we, it's, it's part of the path. It's part of the growth, isn't it? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I never wanted to, to do that. <laughs> so, and then also uh, I was asked, uh, and I did for several years, work as a teen leader in Sunday school. And at the time I was asked, I was uh, defending juvenile uh, offenders. Wow. And I had gotten to the point, and I never really talk about my, my work um, at the temple, but I just knew it was master because I had gotten to the point that I was so brokenhearted with the teens that I would was representing, you know, yes. and the feeling of not being able to help them. But all of a sudden, I'm excuse me, I'm teaching Sunday school with the teen group. But it was just an amazing thing because SRF teens, I mean, we're in this world and we all have our problems. But for those of you who have raised teenagers or even no teenagers, by the time they get to be 12, 13, or 14, you can't make them go to church or make them go to temple or make them 
participate in anything they want to, but the teens I had there, uh, they were perfect meditators for the most part. <laughs> uh, I mean, just extraordinary souls. And it's almost like that so-called service to them was really a service to me uh, because then I realized that in, in, in master scheme and God scheme and Babaji's scheme that this is something that's going to continue. But as I said, you think that when you're giving service, that you the, the service really is for you and it really uh, is a blessing to be at a place that has seva or service opportunities. And then that was the service on Sunday. But then when you did the service on Saturdays, um, they provide an ashram, they provide a meal, uh, you get to eat it in silence, you get to work with other devotees, you get to uh, Saturday work programs uh, at the temple and not, not all the centers and groups have this. So I, I just wanted to clarify that this is something you do at the Hollywood temple. You have a day of service. Is it every Saturday? It's every Saturday because it's, uh, they do employ very minimally some people around the grounds, but it's basically uh, the devotees who keep that temple tip top um and just with love and and care like all of the gardens and and the rooms and cleaning the the restrooms and uh, arranging flowers on the altar and dusting and and just right now pretty soon uh, within the <coughs> next month or so uh, we're going to you know start the all out uh, cleaning or for when the pilgrims come uh, for convocation. But I have relatives uh, who work at other churches and she's always complaining about how people don't seem to care. When you serve uh, with master, you just would not dream of giving anything less than your best. And I've seen that, but since we're all imperfect doing it, um, it, it can be kind of trying <laughs> sometimes, but uh, it, it's just taken care of uh, with such love. Very good, very good. Thank you for sharing that because it's an, an insight for many devotees uh, around the world who um, do not have a temple to attend, to kind of visualize this um, hive, as Master says, with the, with the honey going on. And I think I want to um, emphasize, Belaji, your point of when we serve the guru and his work, <laughs> it's such an incredible blessing. And he is actually, it's like, it's a blessing for us yes that we're doing i mean we get the opportunity to do it we may physically be the hands and feet and and mind that he works through but that opportunity to serve it it's such a blessing and you don't have to have a temple to do that i i think it's good to to bring that out you don't have to have a temple or even a group 
when you're at the grocery store and you're you're kind to whomever that's serving master because that's what he would do and and it's working through you that way isn't it so you know what i i know that being at hollywood temple is such a blessing but i always thought of it for those of us devotees who maybe little need a little bit more extra support <laughs> because i know that if i were out uh there on my own um, and having to meditate and, and, you know, we have group meditations and like tonight I'm going to India night. I mean, we have time to, to be in a real fellowship, but I, I have that opportunity because master must have known I need it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, you know, I've heard that Guruji said that the, the strong ones are the ones that are, uh, away from the temples and that they're strong enough to have that attunement to keep on keeping on um, with a minimal fellowship, shall we say. Um, it's a great life with Guruji, isn't it? And I, I think that um, it's time for us to close this session, unfortunately, but do you have anything you'd like to leave us with? Perhaps a favorite quote or a a life lesson or something of, of Guruji and you? Well, I guess since we were talking so much about service, uh, I can read a quote that someone gave me um, for just as a little token of serving on a project. And it says, uh, this is from Guruji, it says that God appreciates every little thing that you do for him. And though he doesn't often talk, he is aware of all your thoughts and he is so pleased by your devotion through meditation and activity alike. And it says unceasing blessings, very sincerely yours, Paramahansa Yogananda. And this was a note that he wrote, um, you know, of course, when he was here to, with all the busy bees that were helping him them. And it's just as true now. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, because we're on a podcast, people can listen to it again and again. And it's so wonderful. And um, we're going to put Bella's, uh, email address down if anyone would like to uh, converse with her by email. She is open to that as long as we're talking about Guruji, right? That's correct. <laughs> All right. Jai Guru, my dear. Jai Guru, Brenda. Well, dear friends, it's wonderful to hear these stories, isn't it? So, dear ones, please do share the podcast link with at least one other devotee and join us for the next episode where we will be meeting another uniquely devoted disciple of our beloved master, Paramahansa Yoganandaji. And if you would like entry to the private access pages where guest contact and other information is posted, just email to subscribe to the mailing list. The email address is subscribe at soulcallsinfinity.org. In closing, let us again listen to this quote of Master.
hundreds of thousands, not dozens merely, of Kriya Yogis are needed to bring into manifestation the world of peace and plenty that awaits men when they have made the proper effort to re-establish their status as sons of the Divine Father. Until next time, let us join together in affirming it's a wonderful life with Guruji in it. Jai Guru Jai. You are my peace. You are my joy. You are my life. And I just want Just